The Ringer Wrestling Show is getting you closer to all things pro wrestling. The Masked Man Show with David and Kaz drops every Thursday on the feed, along with a new show hosted by pro wrestling superfan Evan Mack called Mac Mania. Plus, hear instant reactions to all the biggest WWE pay-per-view events with their post-pay-per-view shows. Check out The Ringer Wrestling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Comment, Kevin! Verno! It's Tuesday. How you doing, man? What's going on? Everything's great, and we are now in the home stretch. Something that we had talked about a few years ago leading into this home stretch is... What would it be like if there were a play-in tournament and teams were going to be jockeying for position down the stretch? Therefore, making <laughs> those last 20 games, which feel which felt like, man, let's just get to the playoffs if we can hit fast forward, would make it much more fun. And, you know, that's in theory. And now to see it work out the way it has, I got to tell you, these last weeks of the season have gotten infinitely more interesting because of that play-in, because of the possibilities of seeding that you're looking at. I mean, I'm looking at it every day, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, what if, what if we get Brooklyn-Philly in the first round? Oh, my goodness, what if we get Pelicans-Lakers as a play-in where the Pelicans need them to lose so they get the better draft pick. And it's Brandon Ingram, you know, and Anthony Davis against New Orleans and maybe Zion's back. And, like, you start thinking about all these different things because the possibilities are greater. And I do think that outside of the very few tanking teams that are putting forth no effort, it's a lot of teams still competing in these last, you know, 15 to 20 games of the year. I think it's great. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And I think down this final month of the season, it could only get better. It really could only get better. I mean, right now, uh, we have the, the, the Wizards in the East, a game and a half behind the Hawks, two games behind the Nets for the, the 10 and 9 seed for those two teams, Atlanta being in the 10, Brooklyn being in the 9. And as you said, in the Western Conference, there's still time for you know some shuffling to occur there. I don't think uh, New Orleans is going to fall out of it necessarily um, with Portland and San Antonio right behind. Uh, but there's still always a chance. Or, or maybe the Pelicans slide up the standings ahead of the Lakers. That's possible, too, because they're only a game back. There's a lot that can change right now, and I'm just excited for the entire final stretch. It's going to be great. When you just had a terrible break for Cleveland, who is yeah. in that very coveted yep. sixth spot. So you got all these teams and... You know, you don't predict free fall. They, Mobley was out of his mind, and they played very well in their last game where they lost him after about 10 minutes of time. But it's going to be a really rough go without a very, very significant piece to what they do. And so 
You've got Toronto. You've and we're got talking Brooklyn. Jared Allen injury. Yeah, the, uh, the fractured finger that he that he occurred earlier this week. I mean, when 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 it says indefinitely, <laughs> never good. No, I mean Evan Mobley. He's going to have an opportunity to possibly win Rookie of the Year. Uh, oh, like I know. I mean, or lose it because you got Cade Cunningham, another big game last night. Uh, where he could catch up, but like not having Jared Allen for Cleveland, that means two things. That means you're going to see more Ed Davis, more Kevin Love, and way more responsibility on Mobley's shoulders down the stretch of the season. Today, we're talking about on March 8th, this is tough for Cleveland. They're in the sixth seed. They're only six ahead, three, three games ahead of the Raptors to slide into the seventh spot with the plan. They're only a game back from the Celtics at the five spot. Boston's thriving right now. If Cleveland's able to maintain a top spot, and Mobley's able to have more great performances like he did the other night with that win for the Cavs, that could clinch rookie of the year for him. But the invert, the, 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 the other side is, you know, Kate Cunningham's averaging 20-plus for the whole I get it. month of the year. No, you're right. That, you that rookie of the year has gotten really fun because yeah. there's two sides of it. Either you have the real slide for Cleveland, or he starts playing a lot more center, He's playing next to Kevin Love and, you know, of, and, and he explodes. He could. And all, all of a sudden, like now, that, that w- w- what fills the void of Jared Allen is more Evan Mobley and that mm-hmm. he is ready to take that on. That's certainly a possibility. And then his numbers actually see this massive boom in the last month of the season. It's it, it's a possibility, too. That rookie of the year is going to be great. Not uh, as great. Uh, uh, well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though, Chris. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't bet on it with Cleveland. Like that, Their defensive regression, the, 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 the recent stretch here, last eight, eight to ten games, uh, worrisome. The, the weeks before that, it was a slight dip from their elite early season defensive efficiency. But the, what we've seen the last couple of weeks from the Cavaliers, it, to me, they just seem a bit tired. There's some fatigue that's built in. Evan Mobley at this point of the season, it's his rookie year. I feel like there's he's hit a little bit of a rookie wall. Can he push through? We'll we'll find that out. But I wouldn't bet on it. They just seem like a bit of a tired bunch. And I don't. And it's a bridge too far. I mean, they start the season losing Sexton. Yeah, uh, you're right. Rubio was essential to then what Rondo. was going on there. And then they go get Rondo. <laughs> I look on the bench. Tim Frazier's over there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they brought they, Tim Frazier. They brought in Tim Frazier just because, like, they can't keep a back backup veteran point guard healthy. They were such an amazing story this year. You hate to see still it. Still are. Still are. Yeah, they going the are. wrong way yeah. now at the end of the season. And you got to believe that to to the original point, those teams behind them smell blood in the water. That that is. If you want to guarantee yourself a playoff spot, now you've got to win at a very high rate, but it's a possibility to move up there. The Raptors have a shot. Any, anybody else? I don't think Charlotte, Brooklyn, Atlanta has any Yeah, shot. I think Tor- Brooklyn's Toronto, what, five and a half? Tor- yeah, it? five. Exactly. So Toronto has the will lose the tiebreaker, though. So they're three and a half back, but Cleveland would win that tiebreaker. Mm. So it's going to be tough for anybody to catch them, but the Raptors could if they want to. They want to. That's that's the thing. But to that point, how then that that three seed looks so much different, right? Because that's who you're going to draw. Mm-hmm. That the, the three seed, Chris, in the Eastern Conference is the true one seed. The three seed is the true one seed because right now with Brooklyn in that play-in, they would have to win two games in order to make the postseason, and that would mean that the one seed right now, the Miami Heat, would face the Nets. In the first round, I've had so many people around the NBA tell me, like, well, why would you go for the one seed or the two seed right now in the East with the looming threat of the Brooklyn Nets in the first round? You're screwing yourself, potentially. Getting the three seed, if Brooklyn faces Miami in the first round, which is possible, just based off the current rankings, you want to be in that three seed to get on the two, three side of the ter- of the of the bracket. You don't want to be in the side of Brooklyn. I think it's most likely that they're going to get seven. Yeah, yeah, they could just move right then up. Then you're seven. playing two. Yes, which is Philly. Yes, which is possible as well. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. if we got Philly yeah. Brooklyn first round, 
Anyway, we're talking we'll about see. that rookie of the year. That's one of those races that's going to come down. I cannot remember, and I, there's usually two guys that are in an MVP race that we're kind of deciding between very late in the season. Somebody can make a late push. But right now, with the three guys, it felt like at the beginning, this is going to be an amazing race. The beginning of the season, Embiid got all the narrative. Embiid, Embiid, Embiid. We even talked about it going into the All-Star break. Probably his to lose as he is the one that is the favorite right now. Jokic was still getting love, but now I feel like this last week or so, he's totally flipped it. And while Embiid is still playing great and putting up big numbers, the Jokic thing has gained a lot more steam, and that's because of these back-to-back performances. I watched the one against the Pelicans the other night, and he did it again, monster performance against the Warriors last night. Um, two games in a row, and that's coming off of an overtime game uh, against the Pelicans. But, Kevin, I there's no bad choices. Let's just be clear on this, okay? There's no bad choices in this. But I got to tell you, when I was watching him the other night, there was a moment where I was watching that game where I thought to myself, nobody else could do this. Nobody. It was Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Monty Morris, and Jeff Green. Will Barton had twisted his ankle. So that's who he's out there with. He's the guy to worry about. You know, many possessions, they're bringing a second guy on him. He's knocking down threes. He's going to the basket and bashing Valanchunas into the third row, bloodying his lip. He's hitting shots from the elbow. I mean, it was from under the basket out to 35 feet. And I tweeted, this guy is a force of nature. Like, from under the basket, unstoppable. Elbow, unstoppable. And then he was knocking down threes. There was one possession. He grabbed it off the rim and drove 94 feet and laid it in. And I'm thinking, and he had 30 points in the fourth quarter and overtime combined. Um, My son has him on his fantasy team, and we were watching that game, and he looks over at me, he goes, Dada. And I said, what? He goes, Jokic has 160 (laughs) fantasy points. I said, what? He said, I've never seen that in my life. 160. And I'm like, well, i never seen anything like this dude in my life. Like, it's the, like, if we're, it, it, we always argue about definition of most valuable. But let me tell you this. Ain't nobody doing what that dude's doing with those other four guys. You know? Nobody. You know, I, I love John Morant. And John Morant got some love, especially after his 52-point game. I ain't trying to watch John Morant with Austin Rivers, Aaron <laughs> Gordon, and, and Jeff Green, and Monty Morris. like. Kevin, like, he has flipped that narrative, and I think rightfully so. I would encourage anybody that, you know, is not a believer, just watch who he's out there with. Austin Rivers has been bought out of damn near every contract he's ever had. Aaron Gordon's, you know, good role player. Monty Morris is, I don't want to say replacement level, but, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a backup point guard, probably, on a really good team. Uh, Jeff Green, again, another buyout guy. It's just, it's freaky, man. Freaky what this guy is doing with who he's doing it with. Um, I don't know if anybody else, if you could put them in his spot and them have the success that they've had. I hell, doubt. Hell no. There's no chance because with, no Jokic, chance. <laughs> with Jokic, he he is his own. Like uh, there's never been anybody who is does all of the things that Jokic does. Like Yo- Jokic is such a, a unusual, unique player, uh, really in the history of the league. Though the way in which that he operates on the court, and with him doing everything that he's doing this season, and, and doing it the way in which he did, he wins MVP last year with a historic offensive season. This season, he's sl- even slightly better offensively. He's 
even be- way better, notably better defensively. He has become a more well-rounded, complete player after winning MVP. Him doing it in the way in which that he has this year with Michael Porter Jr. struggling earlier in the year with his injury, then getting sidelined. Jamal Murray still out the entire year recovering from his torn ACL surgery. For the Nuggets, you just mentioned that coveted sixth spot in both conferences. For the Denver Nuggets to be sixth in the West right now, even with a chance to move all the way up to four, slim, slim chance to get up to three right now, it it speaks to Jokic's greatness and, and his ability to lift his, up his teammates. All those names you listed, all those guys, Austin Rivers, whether it's Bones, Highland, DeMarco, Campazzo, like now you get even Boogie, granted he's not sharing the court with Denver, but like he, he's still on that roster coming off the bench. Brent Forbes, I mean, like it's it's a lot of different types of names on this Denver Nuggets roster, and yet they're still beating really great teams every night. It's because there are no answers for Nikola Jokic. There's no answers with him on the post. There's no answers that, right, that roster, If you replaced him with just a dude, just a guy, like a replacement-level player. They're probably the like bottom the five. Wins, the team wins 15 games. Yeah, they're bottom five, exactly. But with Jokic, with Jokic, there's no answers. Like, if you post up Jokic, I was looking at this last night because on Wednesday with the episode of The Void, I have uh, uh, talking to somebody uh, about the Nuggets and about Jokic. And I was looking at this, at this last night because with Jokic, this year, if you look at the most frequent post-up players, Jokic is the number one in most efficiency. If you remove the passes from all of the post-ups, he's still number one in post-efficiency. So if you're looking purely as a scorer on the post, Jokic is number one ahead of Embiid. If you're looking, if you're including the passes, which he's better than anybody at doing, he's number one ahead of Embiid. He's one of the great best shooters as a big man from the perimeter. He's one of the best at attacking closeouts. He's one of the best everywhere on the court on offense. Everywhere, no matter what action, coming off of screens, coming off of handoffs, running pick and roll himself. You could put him anywhere on the court and he can make a play for himself or for his teammates. And this is a guy that I, you watch defenses react to him where they're throwing help, they're throwing doubles. Sometimes they're not doubling. It doesn't matter what you do. It really doesn't matter. He finds a way. And this Nuggets team, if they're able to get Jamal Murray down the stretch, if they're able to get Michael Porter Jr., to me, they are, like we, we argued last week about the Celtics being a final sleeper. The Nuggets are the final sleeper in the NBA when you have an all-time great having a potential back-to-back MVP season, getting their second and third best players back. Yes, Nikola Jokic is the MVP favorite with one month heading into the final stretch of the season. Yeah, he's flipped the narrative, and I do wonder. Um, we used to always play that game when we were kids, right? Like, you know, the idea of could you just if you just put that guy on that team, would they be good? Like you do, we still do it, like in the NFL, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what's happening with him. If we took Aaron Rodgers and we put him on whoever the sorriest team is right now, right? He's, would he get the Texans to the playoffs next year? And then you have this kind of. You know, uh, and then you have the debate about it. But that stuff never really plays out. Like, this is playing out. Like, what would happen if you didn't have anybody else? If you just took a bunch of guys and threw them with him, could you be good with just him? Like, if, if you, and it makes you think, like, who's the who's the worst team right now? I guess the worst record. It's not the Pistons anymore. Worst record's like Houston, right? Houston? I think it's Houston. Um, no, it's Orlando right now, I think. Okay, right? Orlando. Perfect. I just saw them in person. You put know, maybe, Orlando, maybe, maybe it is Houston. They're both pretty bad. <laughs> and they're tied, probably. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they are you, tied. It's both 16 and 49. Okay, fine. You put Jokic on Orlando, they're in the playoffs. That's a crazy thing to think about. What if you put Russell Westbrook on the Magic? Stop it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know if we should even say his name. I'm kind of worried he's going to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> well, his his wife with uh, her tweets yesterday. Another story was about what we'll talk about it later with Westbrook post game. But she she responded to a tweet saying, "If you put Westbrook on the Magic, they're in the postseason." And she's like, "Agreed. <laughs> they're not in the postseason." Spoiler Wait, that alert. happened? Yeah, that really happened. Oh, for goodness' sakes! Come on, kind of says a lot. We says can a lot. Out. Well, we can slow. 
We can slow down on that one. I did just, I saw it the magic uh, the other day. Um, yeah, I, I saw the match. Yeah. I saw him, I saw him this weekend. That's not true. <laughs> at, at Ben Stinar tweeted, if you put Russell Westbrook on the Orlando, Orlando Magic, the worst team in the NBA, guarantee you they'd make the playoffs. And Nino Westbrook responded, agreed. Mm. Well, but with Jokic, you might, to your to your point, Chris, if you put Jokic on that, do you team, think Rob? <laughs> do you think Rob? Do you think Rob is calling them this morning? <laughs> hey, I saw this tweet. You guys got any ideas? I don't um, think the I don't think the Magic are answering. They have Jalen Suggs <laughs> and Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner. The Magic have a bunch of guys you want the ball in the hands of. Young players developing. I was I was glad to see you know Fultz had been back a few games before that. It's glad to see him. He was moving great the other night, so I was happy about that. Th- doesn't um, he still like move so fluid and fun? He does. He really he, does. He, yeah. he moves great at, but he did not use his time off on the shot. I promise you that. Well, He's, his free throws. He no, this but, season he he is three of three from the line. He shot. He shot a three and could have been sued for assault by a fan. His midi, his mid range, his free throws; those Buddy. have gotten better every year. But the three pointers, I don't. I, I don't the know. Three pointer this, that he shot was a, a book shot. Yeah, you had no idea where that thing was going. There's still like some probably some structural issues in that shoulder, elbow, whatever. Um, I don't know what that it we don't is, know about. Yeah, it's ugly. It's, it's too bad. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. One more thing on the Jokic thing. All I'm saying is that the narrative's flipped a little bit. I don't want to take anything away from Embiid in the season he's having. Because Embiid, again, last night, just absolutely unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. This is not one of those where I'm stumping for Jokic right now, or you are for that matter. It's this is the way the season goes. These are guys are both having absolutely unbelievable seasons. And you got the Giannis thing kind of looming, you know? And if they if they hit a big run and they closed out the year with some freaky record and he's going crazy nightly and has some big, big moments, now, you know, he's not going to be third. But right now, it feels like there's a three-man battle Two guys probably have the lead on the third guy, but these last 18 to 20 games are going to determine it all. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's and amazing. they're both amazing. And if somebody voted for Embiid, I would not criticize them at all. No, because it's 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 those three. It's Giannis, Embiid, and Jokic. And those are the three guys where, uh, I mean, it, it's just the coolest thing. Like We are so spoiled. You, you said if Giannis like, goes off every night, you know, down the stretch goes crazy. He he does go crazy every night. Like you, like you're ta- it's just the bar. You're just is so used high. to it. Yeah, we're used to it. the it. bar is so high, and we are so lucky as NBA fans. We really are. I, I was thinking about this the other night. We are so lucky to have the great talents that we do. If if anybody knows a basketball fan that's like, oh, I don't watch basketball anymore. It, it's not fun. I'm tired of the league. You should convince that person to consider watching a Bucks game or a Nuggets game or a Sixers game and just tune in and a, a Grizzlies game. Like, I mean, like wh- whatever the team might be with a young player or these MVP favorites, just encourage them to tune in. Watch the Cavs with Evan Mobley, you know, like wa- watch a Trey Young game. There are just so many great talents on every single team and every single night we are getting these wow performances. How did he do that moments? Like this guy's insane. This guy can give me hope and give my team ch- a championship someday. Like, there's so many players that inspire hope. So many players that are just do amazing things on a night to night basis. Like, was it, it wasn't like this. I don't remember it being like this for me in the early 2000s when I was a kid, a teenager watching NBA games, staying up night, watching West Coast games. Of course, you, you know, I'd watch Kobe at night growing up on the East Coast. 
I'd, I'd, I remember watching like some when the Kings were good. I remember watching Kings games late at night, those 10 p.m. games. Um, but I don't remember historic performances on a night to night basis. Do you do you recall a time like this? No, I don't, well, wild. I mean, you got to remember when I was a kid, it wasn't like Jordan was everything to everybody. And if you had cable, which we did in my house, he was on WGN a lot. You know, it's why there, there's a lot of Cubs fans around the country, too. Because that was kind of the team. If you had TBS, you got Braves games. If you had WGN, you got Cubs games. And so no matter what region you were in, you were seeing um, you were seeing that team. But there wasn't nearly the national television coverage. There was, there was no league pass. There was none of that stuff. I mean, you saw the All-Star game. You saw All-Star weekend. You saw big games. And then you saw the playoffs. Now, it wasn't. There was nobody talking night to night about the NBA. So part of it's that we're paying attention. Yeah. And part, like part of it is that media coverage. No, I mean, sure, when I'm yeah. you I, I look the other night, me and my son are watching Pelicans Nuggets after we had gotten done watching Grizzlies Rockets. We flipped on, we're like, okay, what's coming? What, 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 what is staggered? Like, what can we watch the end of? And so that's the one we flipped on. So I just happened to fall in to that Jokic yeah. fourth quarter and overtime. Um, and that happens literally every night at my house. He has an app open, like uh, he uses a score app, and then we'll turn on League Pass and he'll tell me what's close with in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and we flip and we watch. And so I see the end of all manner of games, like even games against, with bad teams. We just watch whatever's close. Um, and that's just not possible, right? And so the awareness of everything that's going on is just so much greater. Um, Embiid's game last night, you know, he did it against the Bulls. This is a narrative that began over the weekend when I was watching a Bulls game. Uh, Doris Burke, I think, mentioned it on uh, one of those evening games. She was like, one of the things for the Bulls and then they put up on the screen their record versus the top three seeds in either conference. It's ugly. At that time, at that time, I think it was 0 and 12. And I think it gets it's still bad if you extend it to the top six in either conference. Obviously, it's still bad if you're starting from 0 and 12. But they they had only won like one or two, you know, even when you extended it a little bit further. And of course, last night's game applied too where they get downed by Philly. And that's why with the Bulls, uh, you got to throw them out of it right now. Now, can they, when they get Lonzo, they get Caruso, they get their full battery of guys, but they got to prove it. I mean, this, this is a long season. We're pretty deep into the season. And anytime they play anybody really good, they get beat. And so that's very, very difficult for me to become a playoff believer in a team where, unlike the the Celtics, who you have been talking about, Celtics beat good teams. They don't. And so the Bulls, I, I got to be honest, that was something I didn't know until that was mentioned. And when I saw that graphic, I was like, what the hell? Like all these DeRozan heroics and the story that they've been, and they were the number one seed for a good portion of time, like, they don't beat anybody like really good. No, they don't. And it's been like that all season long, all year long. It's been mm. like that. And I, I think with one of the things that surprised me in my article on Monday on the ringer, I, I had a thing about the bulls and I was surprised to see all the way back since December 7th, all the way back till December 7th. So three months now they've ranked 26th in defensive rating. So, and they have, <sighs> The sixth ranked offensive rating over that time, but that's the 18th in differential. 18th in differential. So they've been slightly below average for three months of this point now. And like you got Ball missing time, Caruso missing time, Patrick Williams has been out the whole season. Guys have been in and out of the lineup for them. Levine's missed a little bit of time, but below average for three months. That 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 was longer than I thought with the numbers uh, in terms of their defensive efficiency. 
And it really speaks to the importance of what Caruso and Lonzo Ball were doing for that team earlier mm. in the year when they were helping them propel them up to be a top 10 team. And those guys were ridiculous on the wings, constantly in passing lanes, rotating over inside to help, making big plays around the paint, locking down guys, moving their feet on the perimeter. Caruso and Ball were one of the NBA's best defensive duos in the entire NBA. Missing both of them for this extended stretch it just seems like it's gotten progressively worse and worse over the course of the season. DeRozan and Levine aren't necessarily making it up either in terms of effort. They carry a heavy offensive load. They're one of the reasons why they're even still winning games. That's why DeRozan was in that MVP conversation, why he still is in the top five, not top three, but top five MVP consideration. So for the Bulls here, you're right. Uh, you got to remove them from that you know, title contention unless they get Ball and Caruso back. If they get Ball and Caruso back, and then if they also get Patrick Williams back from his wrist issue, if they were to get all three of those guys back, yeah, you can put them in that conversation. But that also raises the ramp-up issue, how much yeah. time is left in the regular season. Um, so it's 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 going to be a challenge for them, man. It will be. The other thing is, they had, not only have they not beaten anybody, none of those guys have ever done anything winning-wise. Like, Unless you want to say those Toronto teams that DeRozan was on that just consistently got ousted by LeBron. But, I mean, they weren't regular. It wasn't like they were Eastern Finals contenders regularly. Remember LeBronto? Yes. LeBronto. But, I mean, you think about it, that was one of the things that I have been so high in praising the Bulls for is that you throw together these guys and it all has worked. Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, they're all on losing teams. Lonzo, you know, all of them. And yet, the, it all has, like, they've all sacrificed for the greater good. And when they get healthy, they are infinitely more formidable than they are now. But they still got to beat somebody. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, I, yeah. it's hard for me to back you when the level of opponent is high. They don't perform. And so, I don't know. On the other side, mm -hmm. I know you've been waiting with side. bated yep, breath. Yep. Jason Tatum had 54 over the weekend. Do I need to ask you, or are you just going to say it, Chris? Oh, are the Celtics NBA Finals contenders? Yeah. Are you there yet? No. Oh, come on. This is, this is a bit, right? On. This is a, what do you mean, this is, come this on? Got, it's not a bit. A bit. It's, All right, it's here. Be. This is the best way for me to explain <laughs> this to you, okay? And I thought I explained it decently well about Dallas last week. Okay, where I said the thing with Dallas is, could I see a scenario where they are beating, especially with Phoenix? And we don't know on Chris Paul. The second seed is Memphis. They haven't won anything. Utah's looking mega dicey. The Warriors have been an average basketball team for a long time now. To me, that's a lot more wide open. So let me just flip side. And I tell you, Kevin, if I see three teams that I don't think you can beat, it's hard for a three. It's, so it's not like, oh, if they avoided this team, they could get there. I don't think they could beat Miami in a series. I don't think they could beat Philly in a series. And I don't think they could beat Milwaukee in a series. And even Brooklyn would be certainly a, a toss-up, right, if they have Simmons. Because they didn't have Simmons, and that was a very close game. So if there's three teams I don't think you could get past, I don't know how, I don't know where I'm supposed to be on this. And I do think that they are a team, I do think that their depth is going to be a little bit of a problem when, when you get to the playoffs, you're only preparing for one team. And that's a lot to put on Tatum, to have to carry you through a series. And he may just, have exploded into the level of superstar that he just can, and it doesn't matter how he gets defended. I think he has. I think he has. That, that's, with him, that's what with we're him seeing. At, with, okay, so with him and Jalen, you pencil them in for whatever number. Uh, 75? I mean, that would be freaky. That would be freaky. I mean, you're still getting 30 elsewhere. I mean, but you're not getting 75, so that's that's extreme. But let's just say you pencil them in for 60. Let's just say they, between the two of them, they average 60 points. I mean, you got to get 50 more points, probably. 
You probably got to get 50 more. And outside of those two, I mean, I, if life is really hard, I just think he would have to go so big because these other teams have a lot of guys that could go big. They're, they're, they're not the favorite. You're right. They're not the favorite. That, that kind of goes without saying. They're not the favorite. Like the Celtics still have a lot to prove, just like the Grizzlies aren't the favorite. Like John no. Morant and Desmond Bain and all those guys have a lot to prove. You haven't heard me talking about them being. Of course I, look, not. I, of course I have, not. I have recoiled at people picking them. The thing is, though, is that the Celtics have been through it a bunch of times already. There's a huge difference between Boston and Memphis in terms of being a young team. Boston is battle tested. They have taken their lumps. They have failed in the postseason before, multiple times. They've been to a Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James. And Tatum dunked on him as a rookie. The Celtics have been, that feels like forever ago. That was a different lifetime ago. Those rosters were so much better, though, Kevin, because those guys were on rookie deals. I mean, that's what happens in the NBA. Those rosters were way better. Well, I mean, I don't, don't, don't want to repeat our same conversation from the last couple of weeks with, with the Celtics. So we'll, we'll agree to disagree still. You don't um, think those uh, rosters were better? Way better. No, I'm ta- I'm talking about their finals chances right now. I I oh. can't even I can't even like think of the roster in, in my head right now. Uh, to, to be honest with you, like I I just think they're total they're totally different teams. Like they're not even they're not even comparable. The league is different. The Eastern Conference, you know, competitors are different. Um, yes, the, the roster might have been better, or the roster, but the East is better right now too. It's just a to different different circumstances, and I think I think you're underrating though what Boston is today. As we've talked about, I don't want to repeat it. I don't know how I'm underrating somebody when I say because they have the number one defense in basketball. This team is unbelievable on defense. Nobody can score against them. The way they keep Robert Williams near the rim is unbelievable. Marcus Smart is playing his best basketball because their defense is by far number okay. one. Okay, it's All ludicrous. Right. There are no weak links on their defense. All right, fine. Off, then just off, tell me uh, which of the three they could beat. Just say it. I'm, if you I'm, can't say that, then it's not ridiculous for me to say they can't they win. Can, they can beat any of them. They Who? can beat any Would I pick them in a series at full strength? No, I would not. But can they beat them? Yes, they can beat them. So how am I underrating them when you say you wouldn't pick them against three different teams? How can I underrate that? I'm just talking about, I'm not talking about the end result of a series. I'm talking about the way we talk about That's these That's all that teams. matters. You know, you're like you're saying, this, the, the 08, the, the 18 Celtics are better than the, than the 2022 Celtics. I, I got, I'm just, we're talking I about different say, things. I didn't say, look, because you have turned it into an NBA Finals thing. I asked you originally, East Finals? Could I see them in the East Finals? Yes. So now am I underrating them? You keep asking me, could I see them in the NBA Finals? And if there's three teams I don't think they can beat, I can't get there. You know? With Dallas, there's like one team I think they can't beat. With Denver, there's like one team I think they can't beat. I feel your your perspective shifting, though, Chris, because a couple weeks ago, it's, no, there's no shot. Now it's that there's at least a shot. That's all. I mean, like I, I just said sleeper, you know, can they make the finals? That's all. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying I'd pick them. Not saying that at all. All I'm saying is this team is legit. I've been saying that for a while, and I'm still saying it right now. Like, this team is legit. That's it. That's all. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. 
A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. On the other side, that aforementioned Dallas team, uh, I didn't know what the hell was going on in that game last night with Luca and Gobert. Um, and I'm a Luca fan for sure. But, and I don't like Gobert, as you know. Like, I don't, I don't tiptoe around it. I'm not a fan. Um, and I do know, like you don't Luka like, you a don't lot. like great defense. That's why you don't like great defense. Um, well, I like, I, I, I like it in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> not when the Clippers average 128 points per 100 possessions against Well, them. whose fault is that? Rudy Gobert or Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson? Whose fault? All whose I know is, is you. You go small and... Whose fault is that? Well, I mean, you'd think you'd go for 50 and 20 if somebody's going to play a miniature person against you, but I guess that can't happen. Yeah, it's 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 definitely Gobert's fault that Terrence Mann goes off for 400 points shooting cor- wide open corner It threes. wasn't his fault Be- that uh, because, Jamal Murray <laughs> averaged 50 points a game either, right? Mm-hmm. All you got to do is spread him out. He He's useless. Uh but I don't like the point is I don't like Gobert. I yeah, like Luca. And that. yet, look, I'm gonna shock you here. I don't know what the hell Luca's problem was last night. He's flopping around. He was acting pissy all night towards him. I, I gotta be honest, I'm telling you, I like one guy, I don't like the other guy. I thought Luca was so like out of line throwing the ball at him, flopping on the one, and then acting like he should get kicked out of the game for it. Like, what the hell was up with him? Uh, <laughs> he was he was being a, a little B about everything. It was crazy. I'm watching it, and I'm like, I can't defend this. Like, I'm on Gobert's side on this. What the hell's wrong with you? He's like, do you see the one where he, like, flew, and he, like, laughed about it after the game? And he was like, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Me and the bench were laughing at it after we saw it on the video replay. Like, he got up furious like he had been thrown to the ground and then, like, did the 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 thumbs out sign like that Gobert was going to get thrown out of the game. <laughs> at one point, he, like, got Gobert switched on him. Gobert did a good job defensively. And then he got the ball back and he, like, went over to go yell at the ref while he threw the ball at Gobert. And I'm like, what is wrong with this dude? Look, I don't like Gobert either, but he was like super overreacting to everything last night. I don't know if it's like that clip that went around about Gobert switching on to him a couple weeks ago and really making his life hell on a couple of possessions. It's not like Luke had a down game. He was amazing once again. But I don't know. What was going on there? I didn't know they didn't like each other. It's obvious. Like, Luca hates that dude's guts for some reason. Yeah, that, yeah must, must have watched the Clippers Jazz series just like you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. He's like, I thought this was easy. We Terrence get, Mann we did get, this we shit. We're going to get Luca's take on the Celtics defense, too. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he might get mad at but, them, too. Yeah, he might. But, I mean, I, I think with Luca, like, yeah, I mean, that's too bad. All that, uh, those shenanigans happened last night. You don't want to see that. And with Luca now he has 13 technicals on the season. A handful more of those, he'll have to get suspended for a game and miss a, a game. But um, for Dallas at this point, this new look roster, Luca scoring 35 again. He's been hovering around 35 points per game the last three, four weeks or so. Absolutely ludicrous efficiency in total control of the game, playing so much better defense than he did earlier in the season. Spencer Dinwiddie. Unbelievable. You wrote about this oh too this God. week. Doesn't he look like the Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> of old? What happened? How does he go from looking like a total shell of his former self for, you know, 25, 30 games with the Wizards. He got off to a good start. When the yeah. Wizards were good earlier in the year, then when he was good. Then he fell off, and the Wizards fell off. Um, but he uh, looks like the Spencer Dinwiddie that averaged 20-plus points with the Nets a couple of years ago right now. Even better, though, playing with all the space. It's been a common theme that we've talked about. Like, so much of your success is opportunity and fit, and yep. he just fits with what they're doing. Timing does. too, timing too, Chris, mm-hmm. because it takes time yeah. to come back and recover from a torn ACL, which is the whole conversation with Jamal Murray. 
Murray comes back. What can you expect from him? Uh, then when he comes back, he's struggling midway through the year, playing you know on a crappy team defense, playing crappy individual defense, not excelling on offense with their roster construct in Washington. Comes here, may- maybe had he stayed in Washington, things would have been a little better the rest of the season. Maybe he wouldn't have been as great as he is right now in Dallas, but it's situation, opportunity, role, and timing too. And, and you're Dallas, talking Dallas about got, you- got him at the right time, and we'll see about Bertans too. I, yep. I've been I've been told with Bertans that there's nothing physically wrong with him in terms of form, uh, in terms of like health. Like I don't I don't think this is something that needs dramatic change. He's just got to shoot through it and, and get through his, his down well, year shooting the ball. It's I mean he'll still he'll have a target on his back in the playoffs. He will. He'll he, be the he will. In, in, with an unbelievable defense. Every coach worth their salt. He's going to run every single play at him until they pull him out of the yeah. game. I mean, you I know? mean, I don't. I mean, if it reaches that point, it's not like he's you know an abhorrent defensive player. Yes, he's, he is. He's, he's abhorrent. In fact, that's a perfect word. He is an abhorrent defensive player. He is. It, it is a good word. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure it applies to him, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what he is. Yeah. He's an abhorrent defensive. Player. I, I get. I can think of some other players that it does, but with Bertans, like he's not like a stopper by any means. And and, and with Dallas, though, I mean, they, it seems like they got these guys at the right time, and the pieces are fitting. Dwight Powell has also gotten progressively better over the course of the season. You got the shooters: Finney Smith, Bullock, Kleba, Bertans. How about Finney Smith's game you know? winner? Oh yeah, that ran was the play for yeah. him mm-hmm. with the corner three yeah. the other night. Yep. Yeah, uh, he's uh. He's been really good, and he got rewarded with a really nice contract, for sure, um, around the trade deadline. You know, we were talking about Dinwiddie coming back from injury, and we kind of bypassed this with that Jokic conversation earlier. You know, his big game last night was against the Warriors, who have just been downright mediocre for a long time now. And the Clay thing just has not given them the jolt that, we would have expected. I think we probably expected too much after sitting out for over two years. We also but I think expect the Draymond. He's played. He's played nineteen games and they're ten and nine. You know, uh, and I mean he's been pretty good, but not like devastating Clay. And you do see the, you know, when we talked about this as soon as Draymond went out in January, it's like when you're the leading assist guy on a team when you're. You know, you're running the offense through him. There's so many times where you run a guy out at Curry, he throws it to the free throw line to Draymond, and kind of everything starts moving from there. And I do think that Draymond could have not only a profound effect on Curry, but also Clay in that matter. But it it has not been the jolt, I think, that uh, we might have expected. And look, the... The Clay Wiggins fit is a weird. This is why I thought he was going to get traded. You know, I didn't expect Clay to get hurt, Wiggins to be essential, um, that he would never be traded. But like having Clay and Wiggins to me is not a great fit, especially when Clay has been downgraded defensively. He's not the guy he was, at least right now, he's not the guy he was. Um, and I know people want to act like Wiggins is, uh, you know, Gary Payton reincarnate, but he's not. Um, <laughs> and he's been like a, you know, whatever for replacement level, 15 points it's a just, game. It's funny you say that when, when Gary Payton's son is on the team. <laughs> Who actually is a very good defender. Yeah, he's great. He is. He is actually a very good defender. Maybe, yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should change it to, uh. Bruce Bowen or something like that. Yeah. Somebody else that was respected on the wings. Um, but yeah, it's been a rough go for the Warriors. And who knows on the Draymond stuff? And I guess we'll just wait and see because so much of what we think they're capable of is just 100% dependent upon that. You know, it's like they they can go from mediocre to great simply by getting him back in. And I do think this is the time where everybody realizes just how awesome he is and how much he means to them. 
we're going to find out can Draymond solve all of this? Can right. he can he help elevate Clay Thompson, getting him easier shots? Right now, you're seeing Clay Thompson do a lot off the dribble, self creation, pull up from mid range, forcing some shots that are frustrating Warriors fans. Does Draymond Green solve that and help Clay yes. get back to forty plus percent from three, running more dribble handoffs, off screen actions, alleviating the pressure off of Steph Curry to have to create and handle everything that he's doing? Does he help their defense? which is struggling at the moment compared to what you expect from what they can do. Does he fix it? We'll find out. He does. Because it's just having one other guy. You know, sometimes we talked about this with uh, Gordon Hayward going out and how that would affect Charlotte. Just one other guy that like can play make for other guys. You know, who sets other people up? And when you take that guy out of the lineup, now that's just everything... Curry has to he has to do everything for himself and everything for everybody else. Because nobody else is setting up each other. They're all guys that you set up, not the other way around. And so you need that other playmaker, that other guy that gets other people good shots. And that's kind of what Hayward brought to that Hornets team, and they lose they lost two years in a row because it's a lot on Lonzo. Lonzo can't be the only one setting up everybody else. Um, and so I do think he solves... Uh, again, they get Draymond back, they'll be amazing. I really think it's that big of a difference. I think they go from mediocre to amazing based upon his... Uh, they, they can't replace him. And let me just say this on the Wiseman stuff because everybody's... You know, it's all so weird, all the Wiseman reporting. I told everybody months ago this is exactly like the Jaron Jackson thing. And, and it was not paid attention to nationwide, but it was always weird. It was always weird. He had, like, tore his meniscus, like, in the bubble. And then he was just out until, like, 15 games left in the season or something last year. It was way longer than you would have expected. And they went in there and they cleaned up his knee again. That was reported. You know, after they had already done surgery on it, you know, the repair, when you tear a meniscus, you can either get that thing just removed or if you're a young player and a big player like Jackson was, like Wiseman was, you try to repair it. And that is a much longer recovery. And it's not something that is easy to put a timeline on. And you just want to be so damn careful with it. Because you've already missed so much time and you've already rehabbed and you want that thing to be strong. Now, the good news is, knock on wood, Jaron Jackson has been injury pain-free, you know? But they took a long, long time. And I do think you're seeing these teams take a long time, especially with the young, big players. I thought about this the other night when I saw that Orlando team. Where the hell is Jonathan Isaac? I haven't heard his name in nine months. At church. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, not no, basketball. I mean, it's like early morning right now. He, he might actually be at church, but no, he might actually he's, be he's, there. He, he's not at practice, unfortunately, because of all the injuries that he's had. And boy, like, I, I haven't thought about Jonathan Isaac in a minute. It was crazy. <laughs> I hadn't either. I, I told you. I haven't thought about him in a minute. <laughs> I'm like, whatever happened to him? Did well, they we, give him a big contract? Yeah, we didn't see him all of last season. All of this season, we haven't seen him. I mean, what if he comes back with like a huge fro and a huge beard and he's 260 pounds of chiseled muscle? He's a, he's a stoner. <laughs> or he's a stoner. Yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was giving him the best. Yeah, yeah one, one of the two. But I, I don't know. Like, it, it's like Jonathan Isaac, another one of those guys. Big 6'11, seven footer, rangy, versatile defender. Perfect for today's NBA, right? Like, perfect for yep. the. All perfect for the MVP Everything. candidate, you know, like we're talking about, like having him be able to be switchable and defending against bigger guys, smaller guys. Uh, the Magic could use a guy like that this season. Everybody's being mega careful with their big, I, I long, miss athletic, injured players. We mentioned a little bit earlier the Westbrook thing in passing. The Spurs bagged the Lakers, but the story became Russell Westbrook and his post-game comments. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, his wife had gone on Twitter.com 
and expressed her level of discontent about uh, being called West Brick and the names and whatever else. And I was sensitive to the kid part because I don't like the idea of, you know, the kids getting teased or whatever else, right? I'm sensitive to that part about it. Um, And I know it's hard on family members. Um, That being said, this is the NBA. He gets paid $40, $50 million a year. You are, anytime you are in the public eye, you are going to be criticized. And there's going to be people that don't like you. I hate to tell you this, but like, while it's not out in a public forum, my son's Googled my name before and asked me why somebody hates me. And I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you know, and what I've said to him is exactly what I would tell Russell Westbrook as a parent. Because you have these discussions, which is you have to decide what, whose opinion you value. You have to decide whose opinion you value. And you cannot allow these people to steal your joy. And you have to be able to have a thick skin and ignore this stuff. Instead, I thought he went about it the whole wrong way. He has been combative his entire career. And now he's getting it back. The criticisms that are levied against him are fair by and large the if you want to if you don't want people to call you west brick stop bricking shots exactly i mean stop shooting if if, if it's just stop shooting Simple. the other thing is it's not like they're calling you west dick you know what i mean <laughs> like to me West Brick is funny anyway. Yeah. yeah I and agree. you can just laugh it off. And instead of taking it so seriously and making it like they're defaming me, they're, you know, a family name is something I'm very uh proud of and, and this and that, it's like, yo, bro, like go out, drop 40, and then say, Oh, I thought I was West Brick. You know what I mean? Like you take it in. And have that to be fuel of the fire. But now, and you just made it a hundred thousand times worse. I mean, I've talked, uh, we've, we've talked about this very topic many times. And I've said. Online criticism, do, you mean. Yeah, I yeah. do understand these guys have feelings. And with young people, it's very difficult. But this is a veteran player who now has children. And, okay, there's some of that stuff, like death threats, stuff, all that. That stuff is so far beyond the pale. It's, it's, it's so diff- unacceptable. It's, exactly. it's that's a, different a different category. That yeah. is a different category. Yeah. We can all say that's effed up. Nobody should do that. The people that do that kind of stuff are absolute scum. But a guy in San Antonio, I saw the video. Did you see him get mad at the guy? And the guy was like, West Brick! What? And he's like yelling at him during the game. And he's like, don't disrespect me. Don't disrespect my name. It's like, come on. I mean, bro, you've been in NBA arenas with people heckling you for 20 years yeah, now. Stop, stop taking yourself so seriously. Well, no. You, you, stop you, blaming you, you, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, I know. I know. But it's, it's, it's a type of, I know. But it's like you're, you're, you're disparaging my family name. I mean, it's like, come on. It's, it's people just calling you Westbrook. It, it's actually, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty tame, as you said, Chris. It's, it's a tame thing for fans to call. I it. just don't think it's fair to use your kids as a shield for that. Yeah. I, I agree. That's where I, I got agree. a little, I am sensitive to the kid thing. Yeah. But also, I am responsible for my children and what they believe and the lessons that they learn. And the same thing is, I, I mean, I, you know, when I first started here and people are trashing me on the internet because they didn't know me and Bill has just brought me, I didn't sit there and say, hey, don't, don't say bad stuff about me on the internet or on Twitter because my son might read that. And it's very hard on him. Like, you know, I explained to my son, I said, these people are idiots. That's why, that's why there's, no, uh, there's no photo next to their name. They're not using their real name. They can say whatever they want into the, into the ether with no consequence. Like, I can't worry about that. No, you can't. The, the, way, the way that I've developed in my life, especially in my 20s, is that I feel like I'm at the point mentally where 
I invest my thoughts, my energy, my effort into the things that are in my control and not the things that are out of my control. That's true for every circumstance in life, whether it's serious life stuff or whether it's like the little stuff on a day-to-day basis, like you're sitting in traffic and you're annoyed. So much of the way in in our joy uh, on a day-to-day basis is about our mindset and approach. And I think in this case, like a nickname uh, that is being called to you naturally, you know, in his control, the way he chose to handle it is like pushing back, you know, saying this is, you know, it's it don't do this. It is shaming my family name and all that. But I real I just don't. I, based off all the reporting that we've seen, based off of everything we know about Russell Westbrook, there has just not been an ounce of you know him looking within and worrying about what's in his control in order to be a better basketball player. Which in in this case, in this particular case, fans won't be calling him Russell Westbrook. If he just doesn't shoot and the Lakers, by the way, Chris, would be a better team if he just didn't shoot the ball. If Russell Westbrook just attacked the basket, finished at the rim, focused on passing, put better effort into defense and did the things that he does well more and the things that he does worse, less, the Lakers would be a slightly better team. There'd be less panic. There'd be less frustration from Lakers fans. And we'd be talking more about, huh, what happens when Anthony Davis comes back? That would be the conversation. But it's not that. And and I I, and I think I think when it comes to the stuff that's in control of your own life, for Russell Westbrook as a player, there's a lot that he can control that he hasn't or that he hasn't been willing to. And also for the people that are sending death threats or anything even like deeply personal, e- even anything deeply personal to his family that like we haven't seen that they do maybe in their Instagram DMs or whether it's on Twitter mentions, whatever. For the people who do that, like they more than anybody, I'm talking about Westbrook needs to look within and worry about what's in his control. Those people more than anybody need to look within and focus on what's in their control to become a better person and improve on a day-to-day basis. And certainly I have been on I've been a Westbrook defender, for goodness sakes. But th- with this one... We, we, were, we were in Game of Zones together, Chris. You, you and you right. talking about Westbrook. You've this always is, been on Team Westbrook. Always. It's just, a, it's just a level of... It's just no self-awareness. Kevin, if I... If I called you Kevin O'Goofy and then you went on Twitter and you said, hey, don't call me Kevin O'Goofy, everybody. I know Chris did it, yeah. but don't do that. It'd be it, ridiculous. You know, my, my, my father's name and my grandfather, and that's a name that's very important to us and it means a lot. And don't call me Kevin O'Goofy anymore. Do you know everybody in the free world would start calling you Kevin O'Goofy? Like, yeah. I mean, you bro. What planet are you on that you think you could just say like, hey, this bothers me. Don't do it anymore. I'm going to start calling people to task or whatever. It's like, bro, you just invited everybody. That's all anybody's going to call you anymore. What are you, nuts? (laughs) Like, you can't let everybody know what gets under your skin. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) What? I know. I, I just don't. If strategic- I came on here and told everybody, like, "Hey, here's something that gets under my skin," I'm, I know what's coming. How can you not be that self-aware? How can you have know. no self-awareness to know that's what's gonna happen? Like, are you new to the world? Like, this isn't <laughs> like you don't get to, you don't get to just call the shots. <laughs> I mean, are you new? Are you new to the world? He yeah. Says. I mean, maybe I don't know, man. I, are I, you yeah, new to the world? I'm down bad on this one because yeah. maybe he could just play the. He's gonna have to play the game with earplugs. I mean, shit, shit, it doesn't matter. He does, not like he li- not like he listens to his teammates anyway. I'm open. I'm open. What does it matter? He can wear his earplugs, dude. Like, also, nobody's exempt from criticism. Like, I, I think they made it out to be like this is some Skip Bayless thing. Him calling him Westbrook on TV. But nobody's exempt from criticism. I'm not exempt from criticism. You've been criticized as a podcaster. I've been criticized as a podcaster, as a writer, for things that I've said. It's like, so what? And also, by the way, sometimes there's certain criticisms that there's truth rooted in. And sometimes it's also important not to shut it all out and take it in. And you got to filter that criticism. You got to know, you got to know yourself and understand your own limitations as a human being and how you can get better as a person. Like, I, I, when it comes to worrying about what's in your control, like to me, like there's so much stuff online. Like I see the stuff that makes people angry online and I'm like, just relax, you know, like don't worry. Mute them, delete them. Yeah. Just, just like, 
relax sometimes and worry about the stuff that on your when you wake up in the morning, what's in my control today to make this the best, most happiest, most exciting, most fun, most productive, most fulfilling day that I could possibly have. If you focus your energy and thoughts and worries into those things rather than the things that are completely out of your control, you will be a happier person. And like I think you'll be a company. You like like a- Thunder fan six nine six nine calling you Westbridge. Yeah, like who gives? I know. A crap? Like I mean, come on. And like it, it's also <laughs> also like this is the the same guy that after Kevin Durant signs of the Warriors has cupcakes at his Fourth of July party, playing into the Kevin Durant cupcake nickname. What a fucking hypocrite! He just he he's been difficult with the media. He's been difficult with teammates. He's been difficult with all manner of people. And now things are going bad for him. And I wasn't down with it. I wasn't down with it. No. That's for sure. Let's end on that. This was probably like top 10 show ever that we've done. Um, <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> probably top 10. Top 10. Top 10. Yeah, it's probably top 10. I can't even I remember know. last week's. <laughs> I hope Thunder fans, I hope Thunder fans 6969 liked it. Thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And we will talk to you on Friday. Chris, I, I I mean this sincerely. I can't believe you cut off the show before we got to Kings losing. Uh, they're falling out of it right now. We didn't get to the Pistons again with Cade Cunningham. And, I, <laughs> and I, like you're laughing right now. And we got tweeted last night from a Pistons fan who thought we were like intentionally poking fun at the Kings last week when we ran out of time. But we legitimately have run out of time again this run Tuesday morning as we record. We legitimately have. And once again, I apologize to Pistons fans. I promise on the void on Wednesday, we'll talk about the Pistons, even just for a couple no, minutes. Won't. And I <laughs> just a couple minutes. <laughs> and I promise on Friday, Chris, we're gonna have we're gonna have the Pistons in like the first couple things we discuss. No matter what, we're talking about the Pistons, okay, Chris? We're out of time though. You, like we you gotta run, you got your local show, and I gotta do the void. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody.